Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. The lines, of course, are open with the program just starting. Give us a call if you have a Bible question or comment. 877-655-6755. While we're waiting on our first call, I thought we'd talk about 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2, which reads, The Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So looking at the first part of that, it says, The Lord is with you while ye be with him. So God being with us is conditioned upon us being with him. That is, following and serving him. Many Christians say God is with a Christian even if that Christian ceases to be with God. But this phrase denies that. The second phrase, if we seek him, he will be found of you. The Bible teaches in many places that if we seek God, we will find him. Perhaps the most famous is Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. One of the Beatitudes, in effect, says the same thing. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So if we seek God, if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we'll find God. We'll find the truth. We'll be filled with God's righteousness. Next, I want to spend some time talking about the last phrase of Second Chronicles 15, verse 2. That reads, if you forsake him, talking about forsaking God, he will forsake you. Now, that would have been true about the Israelites physically at that time, and it is true about us spiritually today. Notice how 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12 teaches the same thing. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If you have a Bible question or comment, call us at 877-655-6755. The lines are open at 877-655-6755. Now, this word forsake, according to dictionary.com, means to quit or leave entirely, abandon, desert. You can't quit something you haven't started. You can't leave something if you weren't there to start with. You can't abandon someone unless you were with them before you abandoned them. You can't desert a cause you weren't supporting in the first place. Similarly, you can't forsake someone if you've never had a relationship with them to start with, to begin with. So we're obviously talking about someone who has become a true Christian here. If we forsake him, he will forsake us. That has to be a Christian. As I said, you can't forsake somebody you weren't loyal to to start with. Therefore, this text clearly proves the once saved, always saved theory false. If a true Christian forsakes God, God will forsake them. Obviously, they won't be saved. You get that again? Once saved, always saved is proven false by 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2. Because it says, If We forsake him, talking about God. He will forsake you. So here we have the possibility of a Christian 
who forsakes God, and this says God will forsake him. He will not be saved. Once saved, always saved, is not true. And this verse explains every passage that is normally used to try to prove once saved, always saved, is true. For example, well, before we mention that, let's uh, mention the number to call 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. For example, John 10, 27 and 28 is used quite frequently to try to prove once saved, always saved. It reads, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. First of all, we ought to be able to tell by the word plucked that we're not talking about a person voluntarily leaving the Lord. That person doesn't need to be plucked. The word plucked indicates that this is talking about someone forcibly taking someone away from the Lord. And this verse is saying that's impossible. But the word pluck gets us to see that this is not saying that a person can't voluntarily of their own accord leave the Lord. And 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2 proves John 10, 27 and 28 is not talking about a Christian who forsakes God. That verse in the Old Testament says if we forsake God, he will forsake us. So John 10, 27 and 28 has to be talking about a Christian who does not forsake God. It is saying that as long as we follow Jesus, that's right there in the verse, as long as we follow Jesus, nothing is stronger than God that can tear us away from him. But if we quit following Jesus of our own accord, if we forsake him, in the wording of Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2, he will forsake us. It won't be a matter of a man taking us away from God. We're taking ourselves away from God. If we forsake him, he will forsake us. That's a definite. That verse is true. All verses in the Bible are true. You can't take one verse and just ignore Second Chronicles 15, verse 2. They all are correct. How about another verse that's used quite frequently to try to prove once saved, always saved? Romans 8, 38 and 39, which reads, Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. First, you'll notice the passage doesn't say the person himself cannot separate himself from the love of God. It's talking about other outside factors can't separate us from the love of God. But it doesn't say that I, Pat Donahue, I can't separate myself, that I can't voluntarily leave the Lord. It doesn't say that. And 2 Chronicles 15, verse 2, proves Romans 8, 38 and 39, must not be talking about a Christian who forsakes God. Again, the passage in the Old Testament says, if we forsake God, he will forsake us. So Romans 8, 38 and 39, has to be talking about a Christian who does not forsake God. In that case, the Christian who does not forsake God, nothing is stronger than God and can tear us away from him. But if a Christian forsakes God, 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2 says, God will forsake us. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call, 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, 
give us a call, 877-655-6755. Now, I'm going to ask the audience a question, the listening audience. Of course, we're not going to be able to see you raise your hand, but I want you to raise your hand, if you will, right now, if you believe what Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2 says, that if we forsake God, He will forsake us. Do you believe that verse? If we forsake God, He will forsake us. Let me read that part of the verse verbatim from the King James Version. It says, if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now, raise your hand if you believe that. Well, if you raised your hand, you just agreed that once saved, always saved is false. Because the once saved, always saved position says that God will forsake no one. Not even a person that forsakes God. That's the once saved, always saved position. God will never forsake any Christian, even if they forsake God. But this verse says that if a saint of God forsakes God, he will forsake them. Once saved, always saved is absolutely false. It's not only false, it's a very dangerous doctrine. Think about it this way. If a preacher tells his congregation over and over again that they can live any old way they want to and still be saved, Guess how most of them are going to start living? You're right. Any old way they want to. So not only is this position false, it's a dangerous doctrine because it causes Christians to live loosely. They're told they can live any old way they want to and still be saved, and so they start living any old way they want to. And that's why you see a lot of people who, who are in churches that believe once saved, always saved, that don't live anything like Jesus said a Christian ought to live because they think they're going to be saved regardless. They can cheat on their wife. They can lie. They can cheat on their taxes. They can tell dirty jokes. They can watch trashy movies. Why not? According to their preacher, they're going to be saved no matter what they do. That doctrine is absolutely false, and the text we're talking from tonight, Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2, proves it false conclusively. The once saved, always saved position is that it's impossible for God to forsake anyone. But the Bible in Second Chronicles chapter 15 verse 2 teaches God will forsake those who forsake Him. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. That's 877-655-6755. That's why you could find a passage like Galatians chapter 5 verse 4. Say, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. The Bible teaches that one can fall from grace. The Baptist church says you can't fall from grace. This verse says that you can. Another passage we can turn to that proves once saved, always saved is false is James 5, 19 and 20. Brethren, and this is talking about Christians, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide it in a multitude of sins. So we're talking about Christians, a brother who errs from the truth. It's our responsibility to try to convert him back because if we can convert him back, we're going to save his soul from death. If we fail to convert him back, say he refuses, this verse says his soul will die. He'll be lost. So it's a Christian who errs from the truth and he's lost because of it. Once saved, always saved is again proven false. John from Oregon, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Oh, comment, and thank you for taking my call. I, um, 
I don't believe in one saved, always saved, that's for certain. I, I, I think that um, when we accept Christ into our lives, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us, as Christ was saying, as the Father is one with himself, I and the Father are one. When the Holy Spirit comes in to live with us, we're supposed to not grieve the Holy Spirit, but through sin and um, our own, um, having our own way, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And I think that, um, you know, based on what we do on earth to share the gospel is um, is based on uh, being pruned and having more fruit in your life and those fruit in turn uh, become rewards and when we are standing at the judgment seat we are based on what we have done with those rewards and uh, if they're no good um, they'll be burnt up and that's why I, I think that a person can't live uh, just as they want to lie, cheat, and etc., because at the um, at the time, all those things will come into play as to how we uh, lived on earth. That's my thought. John, let me read you a verse that seems to go along with what you're saying. In First Corinthians six, it says, "Flee fornication." And then it says in verse 19, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your, and not your own. And so it's, it's the same thing you're saying, is that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, therefore we should not sin, because as you said, that would grieve the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean it's impossible to sin, it means we should not sin. You see the difference? Totally, yeah. And yeah. so... That's that's one of the motivations for us not sinning is because we know the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. Acts 2.38 says, Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So any person right. who's repented and being baptized, they receive the Holy Spirit, and they ought to live recognizing that fact. Thank you for your call, John. you have any more follow-up? No, that's it, thanks. I just, uh, I just wanted to, to uh, say that, you know, we still have to live within fear and trembling in our lives as we live our life on this earth and towards one another. Thank you for your call, John. Bye. And John is right, is that we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2, verse 12. Um, I was going to read Hebrews... Um, chapter 3, verse 12. Hebrews three twelve says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And that's talking to Christians here, brethren. Okay? The last, I mean, the first verse of this chapter says it this way. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, so it doesn't just say they're brethren, it says they're partakers of the heavenly calling, which of course would have to mean they're Christians. And the warning in verse 12 is, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. So this warning shows that it's possible for a Christian, a partaker of the heavenly calling, to develop an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Now, I, I like that illustration I borrowed from my friend around here about how that in North Alabama we don't have any road signs that say beware of sharks 
because we're not near the ocean. You do, you can't, you don't need to be aware of sharks. There are no sharks around here. Why would Alabama, North Alabama, put up a road sign, beware of sharks when we're not near the ocean? Why would God warn a Christian in Hebrews 3.12, warn him about developing the evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God if that's not possible? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any more sense than if in North Alabama we put up road signs that said, beware of sharks. If you can't, a Christian can't develop an evil heart of unbelief, he can't depart from the living God, why did God warn him not to in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12? Doesn't make any sense. Of course, the once saved, always saved doctrine doesn't make any sense. Herb from Texas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Well, the first, first thing, you got to look at Second Peter 3, the verse prior to the end of the chapter, where it says that they don't want to have the heart of unbelief. They're talking to Christians. Second um, Peter 3, I'm looking at verse 17, Herb, which is the second to the last verse. It says, Ye That's therefore, right. beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. And that's a good passage to prove once saved, always saved is false. You're right, Herb. Yep. He's warning Christians. He says, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness. They can't fall from their own steadfastness unless they started out in steadfastness. Right, Herb? That's right. He's writing to Christians. They have to be Christians, else he could not say, Beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, because non-Christians have never been steadfastly for the Lord. And he warns them against being led away with the air of the wicked. So it's yep. possible for a Christian to be led away with the air of the wicked. And we, we, we noted, heard from James 5, that if a person errs from the truth, his soul is susceptible to spiritual death. Yeah, well, your opening scripture... Second John 9 says that too, in a way. You're right. Let's turn to Second John verse 9. That's a good passage on this subject. Sometimes we don't think about it, but it says, Whosoever, and this is whosoever, not just non-Christians, but this would include Christians also, because it says whosoever. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. So here's a Christian that stops abiding in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ. What's going to happen to him, Herb? According to this going verse. Going to roast. What? Going yeah, to it, says, it says he does not have God. A Christian who do, he ceases to abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Herb, can you be saved if you don't have God? Nope. Absolutely well, not. You, those two fellows that come on before you, I don't know what they are. Andy Blaylock is one of them. I can't remember the other fellow's name. But they, they've divided... The soul, the spirit, and everything into three three parts. So you can't lose your soul salvation because mm-hmm. done in the in the flesh. I don't know what in the world them them people are doing. Yeah, you know, Herb, I, the passage I read earlier in James five says, "Brethren, if any of you err from the truth." And one converted him, let him know that he which converted the, the sinner from the air of his way shall save a soul from death. So this verse is, says it's possible for a soul to die. It's not his physical body. It's talking about his soul. 
It's talking about a brother in Christ, a Christian, if he errs from the truth and he refuses to be converted back, his soul will die. Not just his physical body, his soul. He'll be lost. You see what I mean, yeah, Herb? That's right. And these so people that, are all on the wrong, wrong venue, whatever they want to try to put soul salvation, regardless of what you do. Hey, Herb, I'm going to let you go. You're kind of breaking up. Thanks for that good call, okay? Okay. Appreciate it. You know, another passage that proves once saved, always saved false is Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. And this is pretty clear. Revelation 3, 5 says, Jesus speaking here says, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So the person, the Christian that overcomes... God will not blot his name out of the book of life. That implies that here you have a Christian that does not overcome, does not overcome temptation. His name will be blotted out of the book of life. Now, why does that prove once saved, always saved is false? Because the only person who gets his name written in the book of life to start with is a Christian. That's when your name is written in the book of life, when you get saved. So you can't say this is talking about somebody who's never been saved to start with. His name's in the book of life. And then, if he does not overcome temptation, his sin is blotted out of the book of life. So, the book of life is God's book that, where he keeps up with the names of all the saved people. So, this person's name is in there to start with. He's saved. Then it's blotted out. He's not saved anymore. I don't know what God would have to say if he, to prove once saved, always saved is false if this verse doesn't prove it. What I think of is once saved, always saved doctrine is the perfect example of wishful thinking. The Bible doesn't teach it. The Bible teaches on practically every page that once saved, always saved is false. But people believe it because they want it to be so. It's wishful thinking. It's not so. God doesn't ever teach it. But people want it to be so because they want to live the way they want to live and still be saved instead of knowing that they have to live the way God wants them to live in order to be saved. You know, another passage that proves once saved, always saved is false is Second Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 20. It says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ... Now this is talking about Christians. Don't think when you read pollutions here in the King James, don't think uh, smog. The footnote here has sins. These are people who have escaped the sins of the world through the knowledge of Christ. That can only be a Christian. Only a Christian has escaped the sins of the world through the knowledge of Christ. It says, if they do this and they are again entangled therein, in other words, they're entangled back in the sins of the world, it says, Second Peter 2.20, if they're entangled therein, again, the sins of the world, and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. By the way, the number to call is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. Verse 22, continuing the reading. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow or the pig that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. So here is a person has to be a Christian. They've escaped the sins of the world through the knowledge of Christ, but they are entangled back into the sins of the world. 
This text says the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. In other words, it had been better for them not to have ever become a Christian than to become a Christian and then turn back into the world. Well, a person that never... A person that never becomes a Christian, he's not saved. And so if it's worse for the person who's become a Christian and then gone back into the world, the sins of the world, if it's worse for him, obviously he's not saved either. Once saved, always saved is not true. The one who turns from God after becoming a Christian, he's worse off than if he never become a Christian to begin with. He's not saved. And then the illustration about the pig returning to the mire. Here we clearly have a Christian. It's a pig that's washed. So he's been forgiven of his sins, clearly a Christian, but he goes back into the mud, he's dirty again. So this is another passage that proves once saved, always saved, is false. My website, BibleCrossfire.com, go there if you want to talk more about the Bible. There you can find a link or a button to click to send me an email, talk further about the Bible all throughout the week. You can also go there and do an online Bible correspondence course. BibleCrossFire.com. Go there and send me an email. We can talk about any Bible topic through the week. BibleCrossFire.com. Listen again next week.